Luke chapter 24. You know it. We all know it. But we should we should rehearse it. And plant it in our hearts. Luke chapter 24. It says in verse one. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, they bowed their faces to the earth. They said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And returned from the sepulchre and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales. Uh, if you look that word up, idle tales, you'll find the word incredible story and twaddle. Hallelujah. Idle tales. And they believed them not. They believed them not. Idle tales, it seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then Peter arose and ran into the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which had come to pass. Amen. That's our whole, that's our whole faith right there. It's the most important day of the year. It's the most discounted day in that religion loves this day. It's the most precious day, but it's also the most religion. And they've developed a whole industry around Easter and all that goes with that. And maybe you've seen it or heard about it or been in it, but it's a, it's kind of a, it's a kind of a two world thing. The most sacred of days and yet the most benign, you know, you got a bunny and a chicken and you know, like, whoa. You just wonder how that came about. But it doesn't matter what they do, what we've done. I've, I've, cha I've, I've helped little, little children a many a mile find the elusive Easter egg that was right in front of them. And, I, and I've also waved off a big brother that was swooping down as I was pointing it out to the little guy and swooping down. And, and uh, you've all done that too. But it's the most important event that's ever happened in all, in all religion, in all time, it was that day. Last night, we watched The Passion of the Christ, which the first time I saw that when it first came out, I went with Colin to the theater and watched it. And uh, I was not able to watch it again for some, some time because it was so graphic and so uh, Im impacting. If you've not seen it, you ought, you ought to watch it. The thing is, as bad as it was, and it just went on and on and on and on, the beating at the post and the crucifixion itself. But as hard as that was, the word says in Isaiah that that he he was not recognizable as a man. He was marred beyond recognition. And yet 
Jim Caviezel, the actor, was, we, we could tell he was. I, I, can hardly, I, I can hardly imagine what the Lord went through for us. And, uh, yay. It was a great sacrifice, but it was a great reward. And everything that we have. In, in, if you would, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And everybody in this room knows all these things I'm about to, to share. There, there won't be anything here that you've never heard. But faith comes by hearing, not by having heard. We have to be refreshed in our hearts about the magnitude and the impact of what went on 2,000 years ago. Because it wasn't just a story about the Lord Jesus having a really hard week and eventually being murdered, as it were, but raised from the dead, it was that we were raised from the dead. I was raised from the dead. We were raised from the dead. And so if you, the word talks about if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in your mortal body, he shall quicken you by his spirit. So we've been quickened. If you don't know anything, you have to know that. You, you could say, well, I don't agree with this doctrine and I don't agree with that and the Holy Ghost and healing and all that. You, you, can, you can miss all that and it's okay. All that stuff has to do with the life that we live on the earth. But the life that we're going to live after we leave the earth, we were quickened. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this was really evident last night in that movie. In verse 5, it says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The power of God. Say it with me. The power of God. So if we would all pay attention to that verse and not put our faith in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, we'd have a better day and a, de and a better way. Hallelujah. Amen. And how be it, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. And then he says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden mystery, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Verse eight which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Well, that just tells you right there how big it was. You can measure how spiritual something is by the opposition that it draws. Stuff that's important draws a lot of it, uh, opposition. You think healing is important? Just look at the opposition. The devil doesn't care if people get born again. Unless they get turned on, get fired up, get resurrection power. He, he's not trying to populate hell. He's just trying to keep revival from happening on the earth. So he doesn't care if you get born again. People think that, you know, that's the devil's job. Well, potentially it did for me and it did for you. It changed everything. We didn't just get born again, but it changed our life on the earth. Not just after the earth life, but the life now. And that's what puts him on the spot. It says, but none of the princes of this world knew for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Very powerful event right there. Romans 10, 9, it says, if, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth 
the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's how we all got born again. That story was very impacting this morning, that, that testimony that, uh, that she read about the person that said, I, I'm not worthy to get healed. Well, if you were worthy to get born again, you were worthy to get healed. And so it's so powerful. So I want to ask, and you always ask, because you're here all the time, why do Christians want to show up and put a weight on Resurrection Day? Why is Easter an important holiday to people? And you know it is, culturally. Culturally, it is. People that don't even know God, they enjoy Easter because it's really a fun time. But... Uh, it's kind of like going to a high school reunion. You know, that's a very traumatic event after the 25th or 30th year because you, you got to get a facelift. You got to lose 40 pounds. You got to you got to deal with wrinkles. You got to you got to be what nobody else is going to be. And uh, but but it's like having that reunion and not losing any weight. It's uh, it's the opportunity to live again. And if people want to know anything with all their lives that's not going the way they wanted and they're disappointed in, one thing that's inside of every man, every woman, is the desire to be resurrected, to be lifted up out of the miry clay, as it were, to be lifted up out of their sins, their shortcomings, their disappointments, their failures that we've all had. I said that we've all had. What makes us different from anybody, if we are, is that we've let resurrection power raise us from the dead. We've all done those things. We've all thought those things. We've all failed in those things. But he raised us from the dead. We were raised up with him. So everyone wants a second chance. And resurrection, if there is one for people in their minds, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus is a chance that's offered universally to have a do-over with their life. That somehow, if we'll go to church on Easter, and we should, that we'll get a do-over. And you know, we do. We all get one. Now, we should get one every day. We, we, we endeavor to preach this gospel every day. In Revelation, let me just read this one to you. Revelation 1, verse 17. John, the apostle John is there. And he said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And here it is. And have the keys of hell and of death. So the heaven realm rejoiced when the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead. It changed everything. And in this movie last night, even though the, the devil was depicted to have a body, uh, the Satan was depicted to have a body and was working his plan against the Lord, he thought he had the Lord. Do you all know this was a great coup? He exercised a, a great plan against, and he thought that if he could kill the Lord Jesus, he would, he would be Lord of the earth eventually. But the Lord raised him from the dead, and it's, it's amazing. So we all want to hear again and again that Jesus paid for our sins and that we've been absolved of wrongdoing and that not only are we neutral, taken away from our sin, we've been raised up together to sit with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
that not only have we been absolved of the penalty and the punishment of sin, we've been resurrected unto new life with him. And the word says in 1 John, as he is, so are we in this world. Let's say that together. As he is, so am I in this world. One more time. As he is, so am I in this world. That's what the Bible says. That's a pretty good promotion. I like this scripture. I love this scripture. Let's just turn to Romans chapter six. It's a short little word, but uh, you should mark the scripture if it's not in your Bible. And if you don't mark in your Bible, we will get you one that you can scribble in. Your kids can have the last and the first page and color their picture. But you can mark in your Bible. Chapter six of Romans. Look what it says in verse 14. Let's read it twice. Once as it's written and once in first person. Verse 14, ready, read. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Let's read it in first person. For sin shall not have dominion over me, for I am not under the law, but under grace. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. For all the prosperity message, for all the healing promises, for all the peace messages that we all have and that are ours. Sin shall not have dominion over us is the base of all of it, because it wouldn't matter what you had. If you were condemned, if you were guilty, if you were ashamed of your life, you couldn't raise up to to receive any of it. I like Romans chapter two. We're looking at several scriptures here, but Romans chapter two. I'll read it to you if you or you can just watch it over his head. We're talking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and that he as he was as he was buried. So were we buried and as he was resurrected. So were we resurrected unto new life. It says in verse 14 of Hebrews for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. That through death, through the death of the Lord Jesus, through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Um, in the Rother, Rotherham version, it says that he might paralyze, that he might paralyze him that had the power of death. And that thing is still sticking. It wasn't a one type, one time shot. The devil is paralyzed. But the only thing is, is he's like a lot of government people. He's not showing his hand. He's still the devil still is acting like that. He's still in charge in Colossians chapter two. Can you go west just a little bit? Colossians chapter two. The devil was stripped of every power, every authority that he had gotten from Adam when Adam advocated his authority in the, in the garden. The Lord Jesus defeated him. So I want to remind you, family, that we are not fighting the devil. As Christians, we are not fighting the devil. Oh, he's there and he's meaner than a junkyard dog. And he's conniving and planning and scheming to take you out. But you don't want to be fighting a battle that the Lord's already won. He's already defeated. 
And it's quite a different posture if you're going to war with something than having already won that war and resting in the victory. You'll wear yourself out fighting the devil because he's already been defeated. Faith just says, I know that. And I'm going to act like that. Faith says Jesus did defeat the devil. He is defeated. He was and he is and he will be. And I'm enforcing that with my faith. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Well, that, listen to a lot of people is the devil can do all things. He can't do anything without our permission. So as it says in Colossians chapter two, let's look in verse 15. Let's see if I'm in the right place. Chapter two, that'll be better. Let's read this one together. Verse 15, ready, read. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. The word openly there means publicly. So we know from scripture that it wasn't done in a corner with no witnesses. The Lord defeated the devil openly and publicly and with great broadcast. And all of hell saw it. All of heaven saw it. And now through the word of God, we see it. That's what faith is, is believing the word of God. So Resurrection Day is a day we just stop like Armistice Day or Memorial Day or Independence Day or Labor Day or whatever day that we stop and we do a remembrance of something. Resurrection Day is the day that we stop and say, I've got the victory. Not just Jesus has the victory. He turned and gave me the victory that he won because he got the victory for me. He didn't need to go to the cross. He didn't need to be born for him. He was doing just fine. But we were in a mess. And so he came and he saved us and delivered us. The history on this, if you look it up, is that Jesus was crucified. He literally died. They laid him in a tomb. And then, as we read in Luke, they came back after three days and he was gone. He, the, the linens there, the burial cloths were empty and the two men, that were the angels that were there, says, why you seek the living among the dead? It's just a marvelous story. And there's been 2,000 years of people saying it didn't happen, that it was faked. So that's where the line of faith comes in, whether you believe the word or if you believe logic or what could have been. But he was held in the bowels of the earth. He was mocked. He suffered the abuse of Satan as we can only imagine. Watching that movie last night on the Passion of the Christ and the mocking that these actors had as they demonstrated against the Lord Jesus, it, it was just hard to watch. Even as he was totally scourged at the whipping post and had to carry his own cross, those guys were whooping on him. He was barely able to walk and then they put the cross on him and then if he just slowed down a little bit, they would whoop on him some more. And I, I told Deborah, I said, that's the way men are today, but they're held in check by certain laws, certain conduct. But I know those people. Have you ever been around or heard of those people that would do it if you just put them in a room and said, there's whatever happens in here is on your own. We don't care. They would be that. That's who we're living with in the world. So, uh, Suddenly, Jesus, the power of God, he had uh, 
He legally, he had been born as a man. He had legal right to be in the earth. The only people or the only creatures that can be in the earth that can have bodies are people that were born here. So angels cannot have bodies. Demons are disemboweled. They, they have no, disembodied I mean, they, they have no way to, to have a body on the earth. Uh, the devil cannot. And the Lord Jesus could not, except he was born of a woman. And he gained his citizenship by being born of a virgin. His father was the Holy Ghost, and uh, so there was no impurity there. There was no mortality in his birth. So he lived his life, and because of that, he lived as a man. He was subject to temptations, just like you and I are, but he did not succumb. So when he was crucified, when he was murdered, as it were, uh, he was legally as a man in our place. He, he didn't send angels like Gabriel or Michael or one of those guys because they wouldn't have been an apt sacrifice for us. It had to be one of us that could give the price for us. And he did. He satisfied that. But once he satisfied that in the bowels of the earth, that's where hell is, is in the bowels of the earth. He satisfied the claims of justice. And the jig was up. Hallelujah. He was made righteous because all the sin of the world, the past, the present, and the future, our sins now, were laid on him at that moment. He was very unrighteous on the cross. I know that's hard to, to imagine that the Lord Jesus was ever unrighteous, but on the cross, he even said, Lord God, why did you forsake me? And the Lord had to remove him because the Lord is totally life. He had to move his hand over the Lord Jesus for him to even die. And the Lord Jesus had to agree to it because he was the son of God. You have to agree to it too. The devil can't take you out without our permission. And we, we only give him our permission passively by saying, well, daddy died at 59. I probably won't live any longer than he did. That's giving him permission with our authority. The Lord Jesus, in a moment of time, was made a new creation. He was born again. The old man that he was on the cross, he became new. That's why he was able to give unto us new life. It's because he had been made new with life. He crushed the devil, his power over death. We, uh, having spoiled principalities and power, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So he took away the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And the devil no longer has them. He's a bad dude. And he'll take you out if you give him any place. The Bible says neither give place to the devil. He'll take you out with disease, with accidents, with despair, disappointment. He's taken a lot of people out. But... It wasn't because he had authority. It's because he used our authority. Then he was raised from the dead and he transmitted the power of that resurrection into you and I. And suddenly his disciples were able to be born again. So that's the life we have. It's sobering in one way, but on the other way, we got hope. We got hope. No matter what you've done, 
no matter how long it took you to get to the place where you got born again, no matter what your life. Uh, I like to tell the story. I'll tell it here about the, uh, uh, World War II. There was four Japanese generals, and they convened secretly on an island in the Pacific to lay out the end of the war. And uh, the Allies found out about it. These men were all pagans. They had committed grave atrocities against mankind. And it was quite the uh, defeat for them to be found on this island. And so the Marines came in and held them. And for some reason, they said, we're just going to we're going to take them out here. We're going to we're going to not let them live. So these Marines, these American boys that were from America, Christian America, were holding these four generals that were absolute heathens and pagans. And before they hung them, they let a preacher in there, and he got all four of them born again. It's just amazing. Got them born again. But the paradox is, is that these good American boys that were holding them and actually punishing them with death, being a part of it, if they weren't born again, wouldn't it be a, a paradox if they went out of this life and did not go to heaven, but the four generals were in heaven? These American GIs, these, these whatever, I don't know what they really were, what uh, branch they were in. But if they weren't born again, after they had liberated the world and sacrificed and done all this in a moral and ethical sense that was so marvelous that they would not go to heaven because of their good works and their moral aptitude that, that, that these Japanese generals would be in heaven and they would not. Most people do not like that story. Most people don't like the story about the little grandmother that took her grandkids to church. But for some way, some reason, she never made Jesus the Lord of her life. She was in church and she... She took her kids there, but that she she would leave this earth. She was good to her kids and she was good to her grandkids, but she would leave this earth without Jesus and go to hell. You go, that's just not fair. And so it's that kind of thinking, that kind of posture, that kind of perspective that makes us all think that bad people are going to hell. But good people are going to heaven. And it's never about that. It's about what you did with Jesus. It's only, it's only. And, and we don't like that. We want to have a moral perspective that says good people should go and bad people, and we know some, we've known some, bad people should go to hell. If someone on death row for being a serial killer received Jesus the day before they were put to death, we still want them to go to hell. But the rules of the road are, what did you do with Jesus? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So if serial killers can go to heaven, and if these Japanese generals can go to heaven, we're going to heaven because we've got Jesus. Not because we've been good. Be good anyway. Because sin will take you out. Sin, you go, well, and God, God is already thinks he's already solved the sin problem, doesn't he? 
He thinks he sent Jesus and solved the sin problem. I said, he thinks that it's over. The sin problem is over. You go, well, then we can sin. The wages of sin is death. If you sow, if you sow bad things, it's coming back in multiples. So you're going to have a hard, rough life, even if you end up going to heaven. We ought to live right. But we're not going to go to heaven because we lived right. We're going to go to heaven because of Jesus, the resurrection. Did everybody get a little blue paper this morning? Yeah, raise your hand if you didn't get one. Wendy didn't give one. We, we've got an app for that. His name is Joey. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to take the Lord's table today, not because it's in any doctrine or anything. The Lord's table, the Lord's supper, whatever you want to call it, communion, is, is not a church ordinance. It's a Christian ordinance. So you can be Catholic or Presbyterian or Lutheran or whatever, whatever. If you're born again, it's the life of the kingdom for you. Well, if you t what if you take it and you're not born again? We had a little juice and a little cracker. Doesn't do anything. When it, says, when it says in the scriptures in Corinthians about taking it unworthily, it's not talking about being a sinner because obviously if you're born again, you're not a sinner. Even if you're conscious of your sins, you're not a sinner. We are not old sinners saved by grace. We're either sinners or we're saved by grace. So we're, we're saved. So you should take the Lord's table. I just, we say this every time. It's life. But I want, to re I want to look at it from a different perspective this morning than usually. We usually take the Lord's table out of Corinthians. But I want us to look to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. And on your form there, your sheet, it's got that scripture. And I want to read just the first part of it. Because we're going to receive the, the bread the body of Jesus and the cup, which is the blood of Jesus. And it's going to change your life this morning if you'll let it. Remember, it's not the cracker or the wafer that does anything. It does not change into something. The, blood, the, the juice does not change into something. It's your faith that changes it. That's how you got born again. It wasn't the words that you spoke per se. It's what your heart said. So you could say the right words and have no heart and not be born again because you're not born again until you're born again. But on the other hand, you could say some jaggedy, don't know much about much thing that says, God, I'll, I've done wrong, but I want, you to, I want you to save me. And it's like, that's not the way we say it in the church. We say it different. You can get born again from your heart, can't you? So in, in the first, uh, first Peter 2.24, it says, who his own self bear our sins. There it is in his own body on the tree, who, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Why? That we being dead to sins. There it's talking about the resurrection, isn't it? We were alive unto sin. We were sinners. And if you're a sinner, you're alive unto sin. But if you're born again, sin shall have no dominion over you. 
should live under righteousness. Living under righteousness means living just as he is, so are we in this world. Now, I can tell you, it doesn't matter what kind of cracker or wafer or bread that you have. It doesn't matter if it's leavened or unleavened. It doesn't matter if it was got sugar in it or not. It's what you do with it. If you're offended by a certain kind of thing, you're missing the point. Are y'all here? So it doesn't matter. It's just an element. You actually, you can take it with light, light bread, what we call light bread, out of a loaf. You can, you can I've, I've known of people that got healed with grape juice. I mean, with tomato juice, because that's all that was in the house. Don't get hung up on the ritual of it. So, Jonathan, would you stand up and would you read the first part of the Amplified Version, not the last sentence, but you read that for us. Listen, listen to what the Word says. Melissa, would you read it out of the Passion, please? The first, the first part. He himself carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Garland, would you read the New English, the first part, please? He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we may cease from sinning and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. Amen. The Weiss translation, Kimberly, would you read that for us, please? Amen. Deborah Ann, would you read the first part in the Weymouth? For us. The burden of our sins he himself carried in his own body to the cross and bore it there, so that we, having died so far as our sins are concerned, may live righteous lives by his wounds where your fears have been. Okay. Miss Lisa, would you read the first part, just the first part, out of the Knox for us? Amen. Miss Annette, would you read the living version for us, please? Amen. Don't carry sin. We looked at it this half dozen places. He carried it for us. He bore it for us. He took it for us. So you don't feel like he did. You feel guilty when you mess up. Yeah, that's what comes with, the, with, with it is there's a, there's a feeling attached to that. But we're not born again by our feelings and we're not condemned by our feelings. We're, 
We're, we're victorious by the word of God. And it says there, who him own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. He bore my sins in his body on the cross. He bore all my sins in his body on the cross. He carried away all my sin, my transgressions in his body when he was on the cross. Now, you have to know that or it doesn't do anything. This right here doesn't do a thing. Well, actually, we're holding the wrong thing, aren't we? We read, we read the cup. Can y'all just, uh, Joy, let's get the cup. <laughs> I got us backwards here. Can you put that on your lap, on your knee, on your, in your ear, behind? Okay, let me, I'm so sorry. Here we go. Because we're dealing with sin here, and the blood is what dealt with sin, isn't it? Let me read you a scripture out of 1 John 1, 9. Because Jesus took your sin, past, present, and the future. Now, some people don't want that part about the future. And they claim or think or surmise or speculate that if you have unconfessed sin in your life and you leave the earth, that that sin is unatoned or... And they get that from verse 9. First John says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's talking there about cleansing your mind of guilt and shame, regret, because that's the only place it is. There's no shame in your spirit, man. You're born again. And the devil can't touch you in your spirit. He, he'd send you to hell if he could. So the only place that's left for us to be cleansed from is in our soul, our mind, our will, emotions. And that's exactly what happens when we mess up. Is we feel remorse. We feel guilt. We should in the sense of saying, I've messed up. But we confess it. We just say, Lord, I, I agree with heaven about what I just did or didn't do, said or didn't say. I agree with heaven that this is sin. I agree with heaven this is sin. I say, I say what you say. I agree that this was sin. But you said you'd forgive me, so I receive forgiveness now. You said you'd cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So I, I just say it's as if I never sinned. Say it with me. It's as if I never sinned. When you're cleansed from all unrighteousness, no matter how egregious our transgression was, and listen, we could poll the folks and find out things about each one of us that we just could not believe based on who we are now and what's happened now. But we don't want to know because it's been cast into the sea of his forgetfulness. So let's put an end to it. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sins. Are you dead to sins this morning? Say with me. I'm dead to sins. Jesus solved the sin problem. That's why he went. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't come for another reason. He came to solve the sin problem. And he did. 
and should live under righteousness. That means righteous living is living without condemnation, fear, shame. So Lord, we bless you this morning and thank you for the great price of this resurrection day that we celebrate, that Jesus personally came into my life, personally addressed everything that I'd done and not done, am doing and not doing, and he took authority over it, and I am dead to sins. So Lord, I lift this cup of your blood to new life. And I will not, I will not diminimize the power of the blood by taking on the shame of past sin. I wash it now with this blood in Jesus' name. Amen. Could you say I'm free this morning? I'm free. Well, you don't know what I did. No, we don't. And we don't want to know. But I can tell you it's not greater than the blood. You're wrong if you think what you did is greater than the power of the blood. And that's why we take the Lord's table is so that we come to terms with what we did and the blood of Jesus. Now take, take the wafer, the cracker, the, the, the unleavened bread, as it were, this morning. Lisa, would you stand up and read in the Amplified the very last part of that confession by his wounds. She put her paper away. The Amplified, the last verse, the last ver uh, sentence. Amplified. The Amplified, that'd be the second one. Just the last verse or sentence, just... Let's all say it together, first person. By his wounds, I have been healed. Annette, would you read the last sentence of the Passion, please? Our instant healing from his say it with me. My instant healing flowed from his wounding. Deborah, would you read the New English? By his wounds, first person. By his wounds, I was healed. Garland, the weast, please. By means of whose bleeding stripe you were healed. Together. By means of whose bleeding stripe I was healed. Now, the reason that the word stripe there, in some places, it's singular. It's because the wound on his back was so massive that it was just indiscernible about the different wounds. There's all sorts of discussion about that, but that's part of it. Wendy, would you read in the Weymouth, please, for us? Together, by his wounds, mine have been healed. Amen. Kimberly, would you read the Knox for us, please? Together, it was his wounds that healed me. And lastly, uh, Melissa, the living, please. Together, for his wounds have healed mine. Now, the word of God is adamant about what happened on that day. The day that we all rejoice and want to celebrate. If we, if we don't, if we don't, 
think much about this anytime we think about it this day. And there's no doubt. He took our wound. He took our sickness, our disease, our pain, and the, and the result of accidents. He took it all. Now you can take it and you can be sick and you can be in pain and all of us have been and occasionally in whatever, it comes back and we, we experience it. We know what it's like to not have total health. But the word says, no matter how you feel, you're saved if you're born again. The word says feelings and what you've done has nothing to do with the new birth. And the word says this morning that no matter how sick you feel or the prognosis of the doctor, the word says that he's already dealt with it. Jesus solved the sickness problem. So, Lord, we thank you for your broken body on the tree that paid so much for us. That day and every day forward, the people then and the people now and me, you paid the price. So I changed my mind this morning. I changed my mind. I don't just assume I have to bear my sickness. It's just part of my, uh, of my experience. It's part of my suffering. Lord, you suffered for all of us so that none of us have to suffer. So we receive your broken body by faith and we call ourselves, like you call us, healed by your stripes. Thank God I'm healed. Thank God all over the house. Thank God I'm healed. I'm healed. Thank God I'm healed. His price was enough to pay for my healing. His price was enough. His price was, there's nothing needed for me to need healing. I just have to agree with heaven. I just agree with heaven. And when I agree with heaven, things change. Amen. Not anything we're doing this morning, but there's, the, there's two scriptures in the Bible, the New Testament, that talks about the new covenant and what we have in the new covenant. And the two major elements after you get born again, after the sin situation, is that there's a substitution that Jesus made. He bore our sickness so that we would be healed, but he bore our poverty, our lack, our shortage, our need so that we would be prosperous. A lot of people would, they argue with it in the King James. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. And here's what they don't like, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And they say, well, that's spiritual richness. But that's not what the Greek says. The Greek calls it stuff. And then if you read the, rest, the, the, the Knox and all these others, it just affirms that all these scholars, all these people that translate came up with the same thing. That Jesus wants you to be supplied. He wants you to be funded. And I'm going to agree with heaven. I'm going to agree with heaven that he suffered so that I wouldn't have to. So when I suffer financially, it's in vain. I said it does nothing. It doesn't please heaven. It doesn't fix me. So we just say he became poor that I, through his poverty, might be made rich. Or you can say supplied. Or you can say funded. You can say 
uh, plenty for your needs and plenty left over for others. However you want to couch that, whatever fits good, it's all coming out of the Word of God. Amen? Praise God. Miss Lisa, how's that eye? Can you feel anything? You're good. Well, we're going to all this morning, just based on this, we're going to receive healing in our bodies. The Lord wants it. We shouldn't leave here the same. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, put your hand on your body somewhere, y'all. Everybody put their hand on their body somewhere. In the name of Jesus, we receive the life flow that came from the cross, that came from our Lord Jesus. We receive a life flow into our bodies. We tell our bodies, you've been taken over. Jesus is Lord. And he says you're healed. He says he solved the sickness problem. So I tell you, body, I have authority over you. I tell you, be healed and be made whole in Jesus' name. And we speak to chronic. If you've got anything in your body that's chronic, that happens all the time, a pain or a twitch or a whatever it is that's there all the time, you, you're enduring it, you're, you're putting up with it, but it's there. We speak to the chronic in this church. And we tell you to go in Jesus' name. We banish you, chronic, from all of our days in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Hallelujah. He's the resurrected one. Well, I bless you this morning.